when we are able to embrace this idea that Christ, not work, gives us value and significance, you know, that when God looks at us, he sees Christ, then we can accept the work that Jesus did on the cross as the ultimate work, and it is finished. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief. It's a lifestyle. Come on, let's get it. When I worked in corporate America, I often found it challenging to integrate my faith and work comfortably. Now it's a little easier as I run a faith-filled company, but I still struggle in some areas. The Bible clearly states that faith and work go hand in hand and that we can use scripture, theology, and biblical values to guide our work and our day-to-day work problems and decisions. After becoming a Christian later in life, Denise Leon wanted to find ways to integrate her new faith into her career as a keynote speaker, consultant, and writer on brand leadership. What she learned on her path of faith and work integration led her to found the Faith and Work Journey which offers spiritual formation and professional development experiences that help Christian professionals cultivate a vital integration of their faith and work. So listen in as Denise and I discuss the full vision of faith and work integration and ways you can faithfully steward your work and use your faith to guide your steps in the workplace, as well as a bonus at the end where we chat about the importance of rest and how rest can be a tangible way to present your faith in the workplace. Hey, Denise, thanks so much for being on the Faith Inspired Podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Erica. Yeah, I am just excited for our conversation because it is something that we deal with every single day, and that thing is work and presenting ourselves at work, but also integrating our faith so it's a part of everything that we do. I coach a lot of women where um, it's easy for me because my job now is all about faith. So it is in everything that I do. But I coach a lot of women who oftentimes, you know, just get so caught up with the the daily stuff of work that we forget to integrate our faith and that it actually is a huge part of what we do and that work is biblical. So we're going to have that conversation today of really why our work is meaningful, why it's biblical, and then how our faith can really guide our steps in the workplace. But before we do that, I would love for you just to share a bit about yourself. There, You have you've have many roles and do many things, so go ahead and share. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I do. And I can completely relate to the women you were talking about in terms of having difficulty integrating faith into work. Um, because for the first probably, what, 10, 15 years of my career, I struggled with that very thing. Um, 
let me first start by saying that currently I wear two hats. So in my kind of professional career work, I have been in brand building and brand leadership. And I'm currently a keynote speaker where I go to conferences and companies and talk about brand leadership, culture, purpose, values, employee engagement, and how that integrates and aligns with your brand identity. So that's one of the hats I wear. And then I also am the director of the Faith and Work Journey, which is a Christian ministry designed to help Christian business people cultivate a vital integration of their faith and work. And really my work in for, for Faith and Work Journey, as I said, kind of came out of my own experience. You know, I started my career around the same time that I became a Christian. And I was really trying to figure out how to do these two things fit together. Although I was very interested in it, I didn't receive a lot of teaching about it from the church. So I actually did a lot of research, um, talked to lots of folks, and eventually came to really understand God's full vision for faith and work integration, which we can talk about in just a moment. But I, once I, I discovered this, and you know, I'm still continuing to learn about it, but once I felt like I had a really good understanding, I wanted to share my understanding with others so that they could also kind of get over this compartmentalized life, you know, where we are personally one thing and then professionally another thing. So about 20 years ago, uh, when I was living in San Diego, a pastor of mine asked me to start up a marketplace ministry to share what I'd been learning about faith and work integration. And ever since then, I've been working in some capacity, usually as a side hustle, helping folks to understand and live out the faith and work integration. And now today in the Faith at Work journey, I speak to a lot of people who have the same struggle that you were talking about. You know, it's like we, our faith is extremely important to us. Our work is really important to us. How do we bring those two parts of our lives together so that we are living whole life discipleship as God wants us to? I love that God used your time where you said yes to the Lord to really bring about the need to figure out how to do the faith and work integration because there's a lot of individuals like me who grew up in the Christian community and grew up Christian. And so I guess I don't always think about it. Now I do because that's my job, but I didn't always think of it in that way. But for you, it was like, how do I even figure out this life as being a Christian? And that included every area of your life where I think sometimes as long term Christians, I'll say, <laughs> that have been Christians for a while, <laughs> we can compartmentalize it a little bit unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. you, being so fresh and new to it, it was, it's all or nothing. Like, how do I integrate it into everything? So I think that's just a beautiful thing that Lord brought your salvation to be able to come and just share your knowledge with other individuals. That's a great perspective, Erica. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that's absolutely what happened. So yeah, thank you. So why is work so meaningful in the kingdom of God? What really is God's full vision for work and faith integration? Yeah, well, to answer that question, we have to start at the beginning. I mean, the beginning of the Bible and really, you know, from the first words in Genesis 1-1, we see that God is a worker. The first thing we see God doing is work. And then he creates our world as we know it. And then he creates man and woman in his image. And he commissions us to work. In Genesis 1-28, he says, you'll be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And 
And he's not just talking about filling, like making babies and, and you know, bringing more people in the world. I mean, that's definitely one of our works. Um, but he's also talking about creating a flourishing society where people are working together and experiencing the peace and the joy and the beauty that he intended. So from, from the very beginning, you know, we are created as workers. And um, I think that's really important to acknowledge that everyone has this built-in vocation. Um, I think sometimes in the church world, we can perceive or maybe even sometimes be told that like folks, pastors, church leaders, um, nonprofit leaders, missionaries, these are all people who are doing like holy work. And then the rest of us go off into the business world or schools or whatever and do our thing. And no, I, you know, there, the Bible doesn't make any distinction between secular and sacred people. In fact, we are all part of a rural priesthood. And in fact, Jesus himself did what we would consider secular work. You know, he was a carpenter for what one of my pastors calculated as 567% more years of his life. So he did that as a carpenter. Then he did kind of the three years that he was on the mission trail, you know, teaching and ministering to folks. And Jesus didn't call folks out of their quote unquote secular work. You know, think about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He doesn't say, you know, leave your business and come follow me. He actually encourages and affirms Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus says, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reform my work. I'm going to reform the practices of my job. And so, you know, throughout the Bible, we get the message from God that he considers all work very important and that our faith and our work really aren't two separate things. We are, again, you know, this idea of whole life discipleship, he is forming us and building us into the people he intended us to be. And part of that is through our work. To your point on the missionaries and the pastors, we, as I would say, lay people or you know, secular work people, have more of an impact in a way of we touch more people than the pastors and the missionaries do. You know, we're out there every day. If you're in a, you know, Fortune 500 company, like you're brushing pads with people in the hallway more than a pastor sees, you know, in like a week, unless they have a huge congregation at some mega church. But, you know, that's where there's so much power is that you're coming across, you know, more people than these individuals that we hold to the standard of like, oh, well, it's just their job to do the work of the Lord when it's us as well. Absolutely. And, you know, these days with work being so um, locationless, um, you know, you are interacting with folks potentially around the world and think about the influence and impact that you can have through that. And I think that that influence and impact is not only in, you know, sharing our faith and bringing the gospel message to folks, but it's also in the in the way we do our work, what kind of work we do. You know, I'm based here in the San Francisco area. One of the reasons why I started the Faith and Work Journey Ministry was because I sensed that the people who work here, you know, these are folks who are, you know, programmers at Facebook and business managers at Apple and or product designers at Google. They have tremendous influence on the way that we live and work and play. And so if they embrace this full vision of their work, 
the influence and impact that they can have on millions of people is, is really not, I don't think it's overstated. I mean, really, that there's a tremendous potential. Wow, how powerful is that? So let's go there scripturally. Am I saying that yes. right? Scripturally? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Yeah. So let's go there biblically. That's an easier one for me. What does the Bible say about our work and like how can it actually guide us in those situations when you are at Google being a manager, whatever your role is? How can it help guide us? Well, I always think about like there's kind of like the basic theology of work and then maybe kind of um, a deeper or richer theology of work. So so the basic theology comes through in verses that your listeners might be familiar with, like Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, teaches us to work with excellence. It's the passage where it talks about slaves obeying your earthly masters, which we could talk about the relevance of slavery, et cetera, et cetera. But the idea, it goes on to say that, you know, we want to serve wholeheartedly in our work as if we're serving the Lord um, because the Lord is going to reward us. And so there's basic passages like that, which inspire us to work with excellence and integrity. Colossians 3.23, you know, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, knowing that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. And so I think that that is one aspect or one expression of faith and work integration that we talk about in the Faith and Work Journey, my ministry. But there's also, I think, a, a deeper or maybe a broader understanding of work if you think about the grand narrative of the Bible, really. And that, you know, if you understand that in the beginning, God created this perfect world and this perfect earth and perfect people and perfect work. Because we screwed, we humans screwed it up, you know, currently we are living in this period, uh, you know, under this curse where work is toil. We are way more dependent on work for our livelihood than God ever intended us for us to be. But then continuing in the story, you know, Jesus came, he lived the perfect life, he died the perfect death, and he rose again. And in that resurrection, he started restoring and continues to restore us back to that original, beautiful, perfect creation. And ultimately, as we read in Revelation, that there will be this beautiful city and there will be this restoration of, of God's perfect world. And if you understand your work in the context of that grand narrative, you see that what you are really doing or what you could be doing at this point is participating in God's renewal of all things. You know, as I said, Jesus came not only to seek and save the lost, which he certainly did, and he certainly wants to continue to do that through us, but he came for the renewal of all things. He came to repair the broken and heal the hurting and to, um, to fulfill the needy. And our work can be a part of that ministry, can be a part of that restoration if we make that connection and we seek to do that. And so I think the scriptures encourage us to have a broader view of what is the significance of our work and how can God use our work to advance his kingdom. So part of that restoration, I believe, would be dealing with a lot of the problems and situations that we encounter in our workplaces and decisions that we make. You, you mentioned that with the individuals who are at Apple and Google and all those higher up companies, the decisions they are making are impacting millions of people, maybe even billions. Yes. <laughs> yes. So 
how do we really use God's word and use our Christian values as we work out our day-to-day problems and decisions? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the community that we work in. I remain quite optimistic and actually very positive about the influence of tech and tech companies on our world, despite the fact that so much abuse and damage has already happened and and can potentially happen. But I know that there are groups of Christians, for example, at Facebook Meta now, who are working to create their products that actually do good and that um, address some of the harmful effects of social media that bring together people in peaceful and joyful and faithful ways that maybe other folks working alongside them might not necessarily think of. They might be more profit-driven, more sales-driven, more productivity-driven. Whereas I think when we see Christians working together, praying together, holding each other accountable and producing and, and you know, work, developing, working on products and services that are actually intended to serve the community, that's when we really see people applying their Christian values and expressing their God-given identity as his image bearers. I have a question that'll maybe get us a little bit deeper, is how do you live that out? Say you are approached with a situation at your job and it doesn't feel morally right to you, but you need to be a part of the team that creates the solution. How would you approach that? Yeah. Wow. And I know so many people find themselves in those situations all the time. You know, first, I think there's some inner work that needs to be done, you know, where you, I think you need to be really intimate with God about what is his purpose for your life and for your work. And are you yourself seeking healing and restoration in in your relationships and in the way that you do your work. Um, I feel like before we jump into how can you express your desire to make a, a, a good moral, ethical, and even, you know, Christian decision, you first need to make sure that your heart is in the right place or ask the Lord to help you make sure that your heart is in the right place. But then I think that you need to establish kind of your own values and your kind of boundaries. And this is something that you should probably do before you find yourself in difficult situations. So kind of, you know, do some self-reflection and say, what is really important to me? What are lines that I will not cross? What are things I'm willing to compromise for the greater good? And sometimes I think timing matters also where I think that if you you might sense that in this season or at the, in this particular time, what I believe in is either going to bring me to say something or do something or may not. So I think that you kind of need to like have this real reflection on your own to know what's important to you and how you're going to make decisions before you have to. And then I think sometimes you do need to stand up and say something. You know, we um, study in the book of Esther about her, I think, maybe initial reluctance to speak out for her people. And her uncle has to come and say, you know, 
who knows if God placed you for such a time as this to say something, to do something, to represent your people. And so I think, you know, through prayerful consideration, you might, this might be your moment. Um, but then you need to be wise about how you say it, who you say it to, and most importantly, to offer solutions or offer alternatives. You know, I think that one of the great things about the story of Daniel is when he and his friends were going to be forced to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and, and that was a line he was not willing to cross. He didn't just say, no way, I'm not going to do that. You can't force me. He said, let me offer this alternative. Let's try this instead. And, you know, I think that that is really what makes you a valuable employee is to be able to stand up for what's right or what you think is right, but then to say, and here's how I recommend we move forward so that you are showing that you clearly believe in the company and you clearly understand what's important to the company and you are going to work towards that benefit. What if it doesn't go your way? <laughs> and you offer yeah. the solutions and they say thank you, but no thank you. And it's just not ethically in a direction that you want to go, but not not enough to where you're going to leave your job, like you're still going to be in this environment. How would you move forward from that? Yeah, Erica, I don't know, you know, because I was going to say that, you know, sometimes you, you may need to leave, you know, you may decide, okay, this is just one step too far, or one compromise too much, and, and you may have to leave. You know, in my leadership work, um, in my in kind of my professional world, a lot of what I talk about these days is that culture within a company is everyone's responsibility. You know, there may have been a time in the past when the leader could kind of say, these are our values, this is how we're going to do everything, and you, everyone else, need to get in line. But what we're seeing is in this kind of new world of work that we find ourselves in, Employees have a lot more agency. They have a lot more influence. I think that they are being expected to shape the culture of the organization as much as the leaders are. And so there may be opportunities where you say, okay, well, maybe I lost this battle, but I'm going to continue to ask the questions. I'm going to continue to work towards what I think is right. Maybe, you know, to have strategic conversations with certain influential leaders to say, hey, you know, is this something we could work on or talk about more? This is something that I think is really important. You know, gather a community of people around you to support that point of view and, and bring it forward and see that you do have power within the organization to change the culture. You know, again, in my professional work, I, I read a story, I think it was about Nike, where their sustainability efforts were not being applied in this one area of their business. And a business manager was like, hey, wait a minute, this is really important. You know, we really should be working on this. And she kind of built this grassroots effort that eventually convinced their leadership to embrace a change. So there are circumstances where you would have an opportunity to shape culture and you need to just ask the Lord for courage to step into those. May not win it every time, but there's going to be some victory there. So keep yeah. at it and keep your your morals with you and set those boundaries and know when when you can compromise and when you can't. Yes. And, and and so I go back to the very first thing I said, which is, you know, your intimacy with the Lord. And so everything that we've just talked about needs to be 
soaked in prayer, you know? Um, And so, you know, I think that if you are talking with God about what you should do in these situations, he will guide you and enable you to make the next right decision. I always, my motto is gut and God. God always gives me (laughs) that gut check. And so it's gut and God. And if I don't have that that. peace, then I'm not moving forward. So got to check that. I think one way to really set yourself apart from individuals in the workplace, especially nowadays, as you had mentioned, like the productivity or, you know, caring about money, um, really having that driving force. And, and Christians should be driven for excellence and it's good to work. That's what the Lord wants us to do. But we also are called to rest and have times of rest. So how can we really, and I struggle with this and the listeners know I struggle with this, but how can we unplug from work and really experience that true rest? Yes. And I struggle with it as well, Erica. I actually talk a lot about this and teach a lot about it. And the reason why I do is because I need to hear it and learn it and remind myself of it just as much as the folks who I'm sharing it with. You know, I think that there's an important distinction between rest from activity and maybe rest from incorrect or um, distorted beliefs. And what I mean by that, so so there's a difference between like changing your behavior and changing your beliefs. I think there's um, a lot of great teaching about the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. And I think it's really important to practice that. I think that there's a lot of good that can come out of that. But often it's a lot easier for us to change our behavior. You know, you could just say, okay, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to do any work on Sundays. And, you know, um, most people could figure out a way if they really wanted to do that, that they could. But what is the more important thing to change is what drives us. And that is our belief. So in addition to changing our behavior, we need to change our beliefs. And I think one of the beliefs that I find that drives our emphasis on productivity and achievement is that we are somehow trying to prove that we're worthy, that we're valuable, that our lives have meaning and significance. And, you know, that's just a lie, right? We have to remember that Christ alone makes us worthy. He makes us valuable. Our lives are important because God created us and Jesus died and rose again for us. And so when we are able to embrace this idea that Christ, not work, gives us value and significance, you know, that when God looks at us, he sees Christ, then we can accept the work that Jesus did on the cross as the ultimate work, and it is finished. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to do anything to make ourselves lovely and worthy for before God. You know, we don't have to, um, yeah, produce anything. We just receive that great gift of grace. And because of that, then we can be released of this idol of thinking that, you know, we have to prove our worth, that we can be released from like self-drivenness and self-centeredness and self-preservation and, and just rest and to experience like the freedom and joy that comes from knowing that we cannot do anything to make God love us more. 
I'm very influenced by Pastor Tim Keller, who was the founder of Redeemer Church in New York and who's wrote many good books, including Every Good Endeavor. He talks about like the work under the work, that we're all haunted by this sense of we need to prove and save ourselves to gain a sense of worthiness and identity. But if we can experience the rest from the gospel in our hearts, then we can be free from this feeling that we need to earn our salvation through our work, that we need to earn our worth through our work. And then we have this, he calls a reservoir of refreshment that rejuvenates us and restores our perspective and renews our passion and enables us to work with freedom and joy because we're doing this as a response out of gratitude to what Jesus has done for us. So it's really about changing our mindset about why we're working and what outcomes are we really trying to achieve through it? I don't know if you have an answer to this, but I have a real-life example with um, myself and a few of the individuals that I know is when you you get to this point and you maybe aren't 100% like feeling peace with the rest, but you're trying this rest. You know it's what's good for you and you should do it. But then those around you in the workforce are still going hundred miles per an hour and don't understand why you are stopping to have that rest. Do mm. you have um, maybe some advice on how you can approach that with them or have that conversation with them if they're questioning? And I mean, you're still getting your stuff mm. done, but it's just mm-hmm. that mentality of that productivity. Like if you're not working, then, you know, what good are you in the workforce? <laughs> you know, some, some jobs are like that. So yeah. You know, do you have any advice for individuals that come across those kind of situations? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, there, there are plenty of secular scientific studies that show the benefit of rest and slowness to actual productivity. You know, so, I mean, you could go out and share statistics and say, you know, well, it, it shows that like if you get a good amount of sleep, if you actually have balance in your life you know, between moments of hard work and moments of rest that you actually are more productive. I mean, you can find the statistics to share with that. A couple other things I would say, you know, one is that you do need to get your work done and you need to do it with excellence. I think that, you know, there's there's um, in in that understanding that there will be seasons when you will have to work 70, 80 hours a week, you know, um, when you will have to make a difficult choice about a, you know, personal versus professional commitment, things like that. Unfortunately, that's just the way that it works. If you are, if you're serious about your career and serious about pursuing work with excellence, sometimes you're going to need to do that. But then I think if you show up when you need to show up and you produce what you need to produce, then I think that you need to unplug from what other people think. And, you know, and this is easier said than done, but at some point you just need to be like, whatever message they're preaching is not the true gospel and it's not what I believe. And I'm going to live the life that God teaches me to lead, that God calls me to and and shows me that it's best for me. And so if you are preaching the gospel to yourself, if you're constantly reminding yourself that rest is of supreme importance, then I think it makes it easier to turn off the noise that you hear from other folks and just, I wouldn't say not care, but not engage, you know, not prescribe or not join in on that thought process. Was it in Romans 
you need to choose the opposite way. Sometimes, again, it takes a lot of courage, but that's what God calls us to do. Unplug from what others think of you. I love that quote. (laughs) It's a good one, Denise. I love that. That's something many of us need to do, myself included. And the best way to do that, Erica, is to plug into what God thinks of you. And just to remind yourself that you are a beloved child of God and he loves you and he created you and he has good things in store for you. Yeah, you're already worthy, already worthy. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you and your insight on faith and work. And I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can connect with you. Just, I I would say in all your roles, why don't you just give us the whole gamut? (laughs) Sure. Well, thank you for your great questions and great topics. These are things I love to think about, love to talk about, love to share, and I love to learn. People can find out about me and my ministry, Faith and Work Journey, at faithandworkjourney.com. And there, you know, you can get in touch with me through that. I'm also available on LinkedIn and Facebook, Denise Leon. I say Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. So any of those places. And then professionally, I do have my website, deniseleon.com, which explains all of the speaking and writing and consulting I do in brand leadership. Fantastic. And I'll put all of that in the show notes (laughs) so then they can find all the links to get to you when they want to. And one more question before we go, I would like to know, and we're coming down to the end of the workday here, at least in in my neck of the woods of Minnesota, (laughs) I would like to know what brought you joy today. This sounds crazy, but I'm a real fitness enthusiast. I love exercising and love working out. And I had a really good session at the gym this morning um, where I just felt like I was really cranking. (laughs) And um, yeah, so that was a joyful experience. Plus talking to you. This is, I no, I, you know, I really do enjoy like engaging in these topics because they're so important. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you so much. And yeah, I 100% agree, man. A good gym workout or a good workout can just set your day. Those endorphins just get you so excited (laughs) and you're just on, on fire for the day. So I get that. Well, thank you so much, Denise. Really appreciate you and really appreciate your insights. Thank you so much, Erica. Faith is in everything you do, including how you steward your gifts and conduct yourself in the workplace. What you do is critical for the success of the kingdom of God. If you want to stand out, use scripture to guide your work, behaviors, and decisions. It's a playbook for excellence. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.